Welcome to 12 Questions. This is Annabelle Lenzuela, and I am here. I am back in California. I just got back from North Carolina, um, and I am just so grateful to be back in my own memory foam cocoon that is my bed, and I'm so excited about that. And I'm even more excited to to talk to our lovely co-host, Mr. Dave Yates. Hey, everybody. How are we doing out in podcast land? I think we're doing good. I think I think hmm. things are okay. We don't. We can be just doing. It doesn't have to be good. We can just be doing. And you could be doing. You could be doing like a piece of shit right now, and you're still welcome here, everyone. So exactly. How, however no, you, you're feeling, you are welcome. All feels are welcome. We're very into that. And Dave, could you read us our beautiful clarity statement? Sure can. Welcome to the 12 Questions Podcast. We believe that growth and recovery isn't just for clean and sober people. Our mission is to share our experiences with guests who do the same. We're not affiliated with AA, NA, or any other 12-step organization. 12 Questions has absolutely no opinion on the use of alcohol or drugs by anyone. We're simply two people that happen to be in recovery that want to give hope to anyone struggling. Although some of our guests may be clean and sober, some of them are not or choose not to divulge. The purpose of the podcast is to learn more about ourselves and others. We only hope that you can learn something about yourselves by listening and now we commence podcast what if i did that every time wouldn't that be great wouldn't that be great Uh, i would quit i would quit (laughs) on the spot all right well i'm super stoked to uh to hear from our our guests today now guests introduce themselves just in case they want to come on and be like hi my name is incognito mode um (laughs) who are we speaking with today Hello, everybody. My name is Pej. So good to be here on your podcast today. Hi, Pej. Thanks for being here. Pej comes highly recommended uh, from a a listener and friend, uh, Bill W. No, not that Bill W., but a Bill W. So uh, Mm -hmm. welcome, Pej. Yes. Thank you. you. Yes. And how is this pandemic-y times treating you these days? Um, Actually, to my benefit, it's been... uh, Everything I wanted to do every time I would think before pandemic, I, I need to get this stuff done within the house. Now I've been able to do it and right. I've done a lot. I've been very productive in both the work space and just being able to be with my animals. I think they're really happy that I'm home a lot. Oh, what kind of animals do you have? Tell me everything. I have a Sphinx Bambino cat that I bought during the, right at the beginning of the pandemic. No, you have my dream. I love those. I love them. And I know they're little inbred monsters. I know, I know, but I just, I want to squeeze it. They they look like the weenus of an arm. And I just, I want to squeeze them and I want to pet them and I want to put lotions on them and give them baths. They're amazing. And I have two uh, dachshunds and uh, one vishla. Wow. Yeah. Wow. The dachshund and the vishlas, those are very different energies. They're different energies, they're different sizes, but they, they are pretty much the same color. So one when they walk around the streets together, it's like a pack. Like they're they're just, you know, like the gang. And the gang, the slightly reddish gang. Yes. Um, and let me guess, the Dotsons are the uh the alphas of the house, right? There's this new puppy I just got. She's a female. She she does think she's the alpha, but there's one that I've had for seven years, and he is a, a beige one, and he's he's the king. You know, he's that. the king. Yeah, exactly. His name's Loki. <laughs> okay. Because <laughs> he's low, but he's also yeah. Loki. <laughs> Loki, exactly. Loki. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, man. Uh, that is everything. Um, I'm glad you're doing well. I'm glad you're yeah. doing well. We're going to pop right into this. Uh, so, Pej, what does surrender look like to you on any given day? Surrender, when it comes to recovery, means to for me means to to give in to basically tap into the higher source higher power and uh, and follow in in god's light and lead mm. 
I love that. I love that. That is. But I was a non-God believer for a long time. So it took me a lot to actually get to that point and surrender when I first got sober to get out of my own way. I had to tap into that source in the first place and start believing. And then it becomes a daily ritual. Yeah. So what was the what was the year timeline or month or time timeline, if you don't mind me asking? <laughs> the time time timeline. Timeline. <laughs> it's different for everybody. From when I first got sober? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm over 14 years sober now. It took me probably about three months until I started to actually subscribe to this way of life, to give in mm. and, and believe. And there was some examples that were in front of me, people that demonstrated what it really meant to to be men and women of recovery and by listening to them and seeing how they uh, had changed and trans transformed their lives. I, I just, uh, I followed suit. Yeah. yeah. And I think it's just super important, you know, everybody's got their own surrender timeline for lack of better terms. You know, mm -hmm. like I, I've heard of people in and out of the rooms, you know, you know, it's, we're, we're non-recovery specific, but you know, you hear people, I was around for, three years before I worked a step and I'm just like, Yee, you know, um, but, but that's, but it's possible. It's possible to hang out for that long and, and still stay off, off the booze and the drugs, but, but sure. not, not be working towards any semblance of peace or serenity or any of the, even just some semblance of feeling different, you know? Mm -hmm. So, you know, I, I mean, for me, I popped out of a rehab and I, I, I was I was given the gift of desperation, so I I jumped in right away because I was too scared to to not try it, you yeah. know. And I didn't want I didn't want anything to do. I didn't give a, I didn't give a, give a fuck about your miracles in the rooms. Mm -hmm. I didn't give right. a fuck about what your idea of a higher power was. All I wanted was these old bastards to show me how not to want to kill myself on a daily day basis. That's all I wanted mm -hmm. from 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 twelve steps. That's all I wanted, and then eventually really? it turned and it turned into something where I could surrender. Uh, my first prayers were like, "Hire dude, please help me not drink behind the dumpster at this pizza place that I'm working at." You know, mm -hmm. so it's just it's important that everybody gets like some clarity on how broad of a space surrender can be. You know, because yes. mm -hmm. my surrender doesn't have to look like Pedge's surrender. Right. Right. That's amazing. Well, how how do you uh, what's been the most insane moment either in or out of recovery? Like I know that our, you know, when we talk about the second step, it's like could restore us to sanity. Right. And it sounds like you got the, the higher power part, like pretty good. For mm -hmm. me, the struggle was always the the admission of how insane I was and that I needed the help in the first place. Mm -hmm. So like, what's been your most like insane moment that, that brought you to that, that faith and higher power? Well, I'll tell you this right now. I, okay. So as far as the second step goes, a lot of people misinterpret the whole insanity part. I, I believe the, what, what, what it's talking about in the, in the 12 steps is mm -hmm. the, the fact that when I was still out there drinking and using how many times did I tell myself I was going to stop and I'd find myself loaded again? That's, mm -hmm. that's insane within itself. So, but um, insane decisions that I've made in, in recovery, one of them, it was the shit show relationship that I got into. I, about five years ago, I was diagnosed with a uh, stage three uh, Hodgkin's lymphoma cancer. And I had a friend, she was a friend um, who later became sort of like a girlfriend. And then it, I thought sort of like a caretaker. And I, there was a lot of green, red flags with her because I already knew her history when it came to relationships. But I decided at the time, since I'm in a vulnerable stage, I could, uh, I could be with her. And, and uh, this is well, going to work. Also, you're a lovely, you're, if you don't mind me saying, you're a lovely brown man. And there is nothing <laughs> us brown people look better in than the color red. Oh my God, we look <laughs> amazing. Um, why not just drape ourselves in those flags? Have a great time. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, I had to learn the hard way because mm -hmm. um, what ended up happening was you know, I'd go in for chemo. She'd come and she'd hold my hand. We'd be together. But then over a period of time, she um, things started to change. You know, the honeymoon era was out the window. And um, then she started talking about hanging out with her ex-boyfriend. And then the next thing you know, mm -hmm. she's uh, she got physical with me to the point where she was uh, abusing me physically. And I still uh, stayed with her. Uh, trying to be the, the the codependent fixer, like maybe I could help save her, 
And then I ended up going to jail after being physically abused by her. And that happened in recovery. And now you Mm. wanted to know about the insane uh, part of that is after I was put on a two week uh, restraining order because she beat me and I went to jail. Um, Seven weeks, we didn't talk. And then she would go out of her way to try to talk to me in meetings and things like that. But um, after seven weeks, I ended up with that woman again. And that was, and, and later I come to find that a lot of people in a lot of relationships, when there's a restraining order, they end up um, uh, back with the individual. And and so I didn't feel it so alone, but like, who the fuck was I? Because today, like when I was at the gym, I was sitting in the parking lot waiting for my trainer to show up. And I came across her name and I looked at old school text messages of her. And I was like, holy shit, like the shit I was saying, the shit she was saying and how we were so entangled and how, mm. how like I was just, and she used to tell me like, I'm like a spider, I'll spin a web around you. And I was like, Whoa. I was I was fucking caught up in that woman's web. And and that was my own choice. I know the exact nature of my wrongs. Like I know right. that, that sure. I was, you know, it takes two to tango. And I, I was definitely part of that like equation. I'm not going to victimize myself. I was mm. selfish and self-centered and insane for going back continually over and over again, even after all things considered after, getting in trouble with a lot. This was when I was almost 10 years sober. Okay. Yeah, and that's Let me... that's why we say in or out of recovery, you know, because a lot of people, they go, oh, drunk a log, or oh, this is the time where I pissed myself on the Ferris wheel. I mean, <laughs> you, but that's, that's the true insanity sometimes for this alcoholic is like, I can be insane without the drink and the drug. And that's right. truly that's truly mind-boggling for some people because they think uh, an outsider looking in on recovery, they're like, oh, you just take away the drink and the drug, you're fine. And that's not yeah. what, at least that's not what this alcoholic's about. Like the drink and the drug was the duct tape I used to fucking keep everything together. Right. I saw the other day, I saw a meme that said, in alcohol's defense, I've done a lot of insane things in recovery too, and I totally relate to it. <laughs> Yeah. That is so accurate because there's, have you seen the movie, um, uh, uh, The Sound of Metal? No. That, watch it because The Sound of Metal is a recovery story that the reason why this, this question exists on the podcast is because I too, it between, oh my gosh, like six and 10 years clean, got into a relationship after being in a relationship and that person was uh, we drove each other crazy. We were in a codependent stranglehold and he got really sick. Mm-hmm. He had a stroke and, um, and then a relationship that should have been a year lasted for three years. And in the end of it, my mom died. And six months after that, I found myself, you know, having yet another screaming argument with this person mm-hmm. and he got in my face and I pushed him. And like a little side note on me is I have, I have a second degree black belt and have taught women self-defense. So if I put my hands on somebody, I'll put my hands on somebody (laughs) and I haven't, I haven't had to do this. I haven't put my hands on anybody in a long time. That's not why you learn karate. You learn to actually not fight. And so I called my sponsor and I said, I'm behaving in ways unbecoming of my recovery. Mm -hmm. And uh, by the way, I tell this story all the time, but I tell it to, to relate to you to kind of say like, yeah, I get it. Cause I called my sponsor. I told her what happened. And she said, and afterwards, by the way, he said to me, and I, this, I know my 50%, I put my hands on a person that's abuse. You shouldn't do that. Right. right. He, he said to me, I did that. So I got in your face because I wanted you to hit me. And I was like, what the fuck? Like what? This is the sickest relationship. Yeah, that's sick this is sick. This is sick. And so I, I, um, I called my sponsor and she said that this sentence and it saved my life get outside help, call this number, make an appointment. And if you don't, don't ever call me again. And she hung up the phone and she Mm -hmm. saved my goddamn life. And that happened between five and 10 years. People don't realize that like when you're at a convention, they're doing the countdown, right? They're doing the clean time countdown. Everybody's like 40 years, everybody's stoked. 20 years, everybody's stoked. 15 years, everybody's stoked. And then in between 10 and five, people are like, Oh God, I'm here. And it's like, it's like a handful of sad, tired people. There's a lot of growth that happens in that time, but it is painful growth. And, um, and I, I appreciate you sharing that. You know what I mean? I appreciate you, you know, as, uh, what do they, what do they say in the rooms? Uh, if you date in the rooms, the odds are good, but the goods are odd. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. It's a crapshoot. You never know what you're going to get unless somebody's truly healthy and evolved. Yeah. And it's more like, this is crap. Let's shoot. You know? <laughs> right. And well, and, and the side note of that is the longer you stay along, around, the more life experience you have, which all the way, by the way, we, we skipped to the, the relationship part, but also like you're a cancer survivor. Fuck man. That's amazing. Yeah, like right. that's fucking amazing. You I know? And like, and, and when you're in that like existential fear mm-hmm. and yeah, it's going to be, you're going to make some choices around relationships and support out of fear and what we know is when we make choices out of fear they're not good choices and so be kind to yourself like that happened you were in it you know your part she Mm -hmm. hopefully knows her part but like it does get to a point in recovery where you get enough time you get enough experience you get a good therapist you start reading a self-help book you go to a meditation group or two and you Mm -hmm. become very you become like a little hard to date because you ain't putting (laughs) up with anybody's shit and then right. you get bored, lonely, and horny, and you're like, well, maybe I can lower these standards. Maybe I'll maybe lower I'll these standards swiping, a little. Swiping right, swiping right, swiping right, swiping right. This is a person literally made of red flags um, on top of a red flag, waving a red flag. But you know what? I can, you know what? Let's lower these standards. And um, so I've fallen in that trap as well. And that, again, is insanity because it, mm-hmm. it diminishes, you know, our, our higher powers get us to where we need to go. Uh, not so we can be ordinary or less than, less than awesome, but to be extra- the most extraordinary people we can be. And, um, and we forget that, you know, so we start having a, as, as Dan Savage would say, dickful thinking. Um, <laughs> so That's awesome. I'm writing that down. <laughs> dickful thinking. You heard it here. Um, but yeah, uh, sorry, I went on a rant. Dave went on a rant. We're all ranting. We're all having a good time. We're connected. <laughs> when, when did I go on a rant? You did too. <laughs> Let's pop into that third question, yes. Pej. Uh, how do you make decisions today? So depending on the decision, I mean, I'm obviously... I like to say I take it to God, but I'm sure I make a lot of decisions without actually consulting with God. And I don't, I'm not really of the mindset. I have a sponsor in, in the 12 step world. Um, he's not my higher power and he's not actually a person that I have to run everything by. I, I don't really believe in that either. Uh, I believe that the sponsor's job is to put us in the hands of God and to, to listen to inventory and things like that. But I don't need to run everything by them. I make decisions based off of my instinct. I, 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 um, my intuition, if something feels good or right, I'll go for it, you know, and if something doesn't, I won't, you know, that's all there is to it. I, I, um, and I still make bad decisions. I don't walk on water by any means, you know, I make selfish decisions because I want to get my needs met sometimes. And then sometimes if it doesn't feel right at all, I'll realize like, I shouldn't do this. I just should not do it. So, um, you know, but I, I've definitely, you know, I've had a spiritual awakening that's helped me overcome the using and drinking problem. So I'm never going to decide to use and drink. I know a lot of people say you should never talk like you're never going to get high again. But like if if you are in the big book or know anything about the big book, like I think in the, in the second edition in the forewords, it talks about um, permanent sobriety. And I'm really here to stay. So when it comes to deciding to use or uh, drink, I won't do that. I will not. But otherwise, you know, I, I really want to be God centered. I do ask God to guide me in my thinking and, and decisions throughout the day. However, I'll, when it comes to diet or things like that, I can convince myself in the top of the morning or midday I'm going to eat well. But by the evening, all of a sudden, some shit happens and I'll make this stupid decision. Like just one more time, that becomes like a drink or the drug. Like just mm-hmm. one, just this time, you know? So, um, but really, like I feel a lot better about myself when I am God centered and, and um, you know, centered just in in my decision making i keep this fucking ring keeps happening in my ears from my notifications i'm sitting here trying to turn off my notifications as we're talking but go ahead amazing no worries i'll i'll, I'll drone on for a little bit no we, we don't. don't okay we don't, you don't hear so that's... The, the we good then we good. bless okay, those yeah. headphones yeah. um yeah <laughs> that's me all right yeah i think i think you you make a good point um as far as like you get to a point where 
you get your conscience back. And I don't know what that looks like for anybody but me, but like, I think after the first six months to a year of not having chemicals in me, like mm -hmm. my con, I, I, I could start hearing my conscience again. That, that voice, that pre kick in the booze was like, hey, let's kill ourselves. And then you take the chemicals away. It's like, hey, let's not drink today. Hey, let's not scream at that person because you don't want to make amends. Like, so I, I think there's a level of like, you know, you know, having to mend with like crutches, you know, like if you, if you think about it, like mental crutches, like the, like the program, the sponsor, the, the people in recovery that are your crew, like they're helping you walk until a leg heals, like your proverbial mm -hmm. uh, conscience heals. And then mm -hmm. slowly for me, I was able to like walk on my own and I still talk to my sponsor, you know, uh, a couple times a week, maybe, especially if things are really rough in my life. Uh, sure. but it's more of a, I need to get the crazy thoughts out. So I don't make dumb decisions. Yeah. Right. Well, yeah. I'm also, I'm also a lot older now. So like, you know, I think based off Anna said it really, when you get a lot of life experience, like you learn from your mistakes. And if mm -hmm. you're still making them, then, then there's that insanity. So, um, but you know, my life is really easy and I'm a very busy man, but um, yeah, I, I guess I run it by my sponsors sometimes, but I already know what he's going to say most times. Well, and it sounds like you have a pretty good understanding of who you are and your, like how you work. I think that's also really important is to kind of surrender to like who we are and how we work. There are some things that about me, that are always going to be little buttons. I have to, I have to be aware of, or there are some things that are always going to look like little shiny things I have to chase, you know? And, um, and so things. shiny things love me a shiny thing. Right. Oh, um, sometimes, that sometimes that shiny thing is a full on dumpster fire, but I'm like, but it's so shiny. Um, I don't <laughs> care how it smells, whatever. Um, but my, my question is, what is the most interesting or surprising thing you've learned about yourself in your growth process? I have learned that I can achieve much more than I had thought that I couldn't in early recovery. I was very ambitious and I wanted to do a lot. I was down on myself because I thought I got sober at 35, 36 years old. Mm -hmm. And um, there were so many things that I wanted to do, but I didn't think were uh, possible because I had been absent from life for so long. So now it's all coming to fruition. It's all happening. It's, it's been happening. And so I, and it just keeps happening. It's like, it's hard to describe, um, and it's not just tangible stuff. It's, it's the feeling within, you know what I mean? Like I, I'm very comfortable in my own skin mm -hmm. and, and I, and I really, really love who I have become in the recovery process, but also who I'm becoming, you know, I never want to know too much. I always want to remain a student. And, um, and so it just, it's been just to be open to, to learning and achieving more and more. Um, I'm successful, you know, I'm successful, um, in spirit, not just in, in things I've obtained. And I've, I've obtained a lot. I was a homeless man. So to be able to um, to own houses and businesses and sober livings and all this, and, and I'm about to open my own detox and uh, residential, like a rehab. I'm going to be a fucking rehab owner. You know? Wow. I fucking thought that shit from a guy that was on Harbor Boulevard, like dying from alcohol and addiction. <laughs> Huntington but, Beach or Newport Harbor, which Harbor <laughs> Boulevard, baby, that Costa changes Mesa. everything. Costa, Costa Mesa. Costa Mesa. Costa Mesa. I had a, when I worked down there, I had a client call it Costa Mexico. And I was like, that's rude <laughs> and racist, but accurate. <laughs> Shut up. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you know. uh, yeah, that is, uh, yeah, that's amazing, man. That's amazing. Yeah, that's Go for that's you. one of the few, that's one of the few, uh, colloquial phrases around the rooms that I don't have a problem with, which is remain teachable, mm. you know, mm. like keep that, keep that teachability. I don't care whether you have 30 days or 30 years, 
is I think a big problem with the world at large is everybody thinks they knows everything, you know, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, like, mm -hmm. and, yeah. and then people only want to hear what they already believe. And that doesn't leave any room for growth for this alcoholic. You know, I'm not saying I know better than the world. I'm just saying I know for me is I have to leave space for the potential that I, I am wrong, mm -hmm. you know, and that, that right. allows for growth because, you, you know, allowing myself to be, I think it was like Neil deGrasse Tyson said, like he never argues with anybody anymore um, because what he, what he used to ask is like, is, uh, I'll have this debate with you. But is there any room in your brain for the chance, and I'm not saying that you are, that you might be wrong? Because if you don't think you're, you could be wrong, I can't talk to you because mm -hmm. there's no space. Then the, the, there's right. no debate. Yeah. You know, so I think in recovery for me, like the remaining teachable, I have to leave space for the, the idea that I could be wrong about some of this. Mm -hmm. I could be wrong the about some of the, the preconceived notions I have of right. you or myself or what I'm capable of. Can I tell you the weird flip side of that too, is mm. there's another, there's another form of ego and self-centeredness involved that can, that can exercise itself or mutate the teachable mindset, which is, um, where I went with it, which is I have to remain teachable because I'm a piece of shit. Mm. And I just recently, I was at this comedy festival and I, and I looked at, I looked at my partner and I was like, you know we're kind of a get for this thing. This is fun. And like, mm -hmm. we got there and I remember being in this industry panel. Right. And so there's all this, like, there's all these, you know, people in there, all these comics, like, how do I, how do I make money? What do I do? You know? And I just raised my hand and I was just like, I got a question. And the way I was asking questions wasn't from a place of groveling. And it wasn't a, from a place of see me, acknowledge me. It was from a phrase of, I know my worth. And I honestly have a question about how you assess that hmm. or how you assess my talent. And every question I asked, they were like, that's a great question. But it was all because I've done the work to know my worth and to know hmm. what I'm good at. And something changed. It was like I walked on stage and I was like, my attitude was like, I know my worth. I'm still teachable. You know, it was an interesting thing. It was like, as I asked the question, one of the guys was like, it's a really good question. I don't know if I'd want to give that kind of feedback. Da, 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 da. I said, hey, not everybody is teachable, you know, mm -hmm. because I know that there's a place to be teachable, successful, and confident that I can do all of those things at once now. I don't have to have that moment of like, um, because it takes confidence to, uh, to piggyback on what Dave said, it takes confidence to have room in your mind to be wrong. Mm -hmm. That's the thing is it takes confidence for that. So it takes anyway, a whole, whole, it takes a whole fuck ton of honesty too. Mm -hmm. sure. That, that yeah. innermost self-honesty, like really getting honest with yourself to be able to accept things that you. Yeah. I've always, I've always maintained, like if you're in the rooms and you're struggling with the higher power concept, I mean, I know that's some questions down, but like honesty, open-mindedness and willingness was a sufficient higher power for me when I didn't believe in anything. It's just mm -hmm. like, okay, if I try to be honest and open and willing, that's a power greater than me because that's, that's not my default. Being honest with myself is not my default, you know? And that, that is our, our next question, Pej, is how honest are you with yourself and those around you? I'm not going to say that I'm totally honest with myself all the time. Like I just said a second ago, I'd be lying if I, if I say that I always live in God's life. It starts with food. Like I... You know, as you start to get older, it doesn't just burn right away. Like, so I have to, I, I, I'll convince myself. I'm like, I tell myself I'm not going to eat bad today. And then I'll fucking eat some shit at the end of the night. That's not good. And then it's, and that translates into other parts of my life, uh, relationships, if you will. Like I, I haven't been in, I mean, I've been in some relationships. I don't think they were really serious relationships because they weren't lasting. Um, mm -hmm. I, I, um, I will pick people um, who, again, red flags are there, but uh, because of, I just think like it'll just feel good. So I'm not being honest with myself. I'm not like, this isn't healthy. Like I, I know this isn't healthy to be around this person for these certain reasons, but I continue to stay with them. So how honest am I with myself? I'm not, I'm lying to myself thinking that maybe, 
maybe it's going to work out. Maybe I could change them. Maybe I, I, I don't, you know, so, but for the most part, when it comes to living off the principles in my daily living and lifestyle and, and what, how I conduct myself, I am honest when it comes to everyday integrity, like just going to the store, seeing something like somebody drops something. I'm honest, like I'm not going to steal their money anymore. Like I would before. Oh shit. The dude just dropped his wallet. I just came up. I don't think that way, you know? So there are so many different scenarios and situations, but um, I, if I know I'm about to lie, I do correct myself. I believe that is definitely something that came out of working the steps. I know that um, I used to be one to duck and dodge my mom. And if she asked me a question, uh, even today that where I don't feel like answering it, or I want to tell her a lie, I have to be honest with, her so then that means I have to be honest with myself in order to tell that truth to her for example why would I lie even if it's I believe that if I even as bad as the truth can be sometimes I believe when I tell little white lies they can turn me into a big fat liar so Mm -hmm. uh, so I I believe that there's so many different layers that the ego will will uh, present itself within me to where my level of honesty can can differ and change but I think right now I'm at a point in my life where uh, my dishonesty with myself is more with, with my interpersonal problems and issues that that mm-hmm. I haven't, and I don't have a lot of problems. I really don't. But when it comes to like diet, eating, health, I, I have to be very honest with myself. But I'm, it's a work in progress, if you will. Totally. And I, I love, honestly, 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 I love how you answered that because you did, you did answer that with like, yeah, there's still a relationship in my life where my fear and anxiety gets in the way. And, you know, whether or not if she's overbearing or she's just too sweet to tell bad things to, you know, or a combination of both, like you're, you're ducking and dodging. And that only, by the way, only increases the behavior on the other person's part too. Cause they're like, what are you ducking and dodging? What are you, what are you doing? This most fishy. What's happening? I have, I have follow-up questions. You know what I mean? And so yeah. I love that, like to alleviate that fear and anxiety, your whole thing is like, just be honest, like, just be honest. It might be it might be anxiety provoking for 30 seconds, but it's way better than 30 days or 30 years. Right. So like, how do you deal with like, that's one way to deal with fear and anxiety. How do you deal with fear and anxiety or experience it in your like everyday life? Like, how are you, where are you at with that now? Okay. So when it comes to fear and anxiety, I I don't really experience anxiety much anymore. I, I believe that the the anxiety that I've had in the last five years, let's say, was when I got diagnosed with cancer, they misdiagnosed me. So there was that period of time where I was trying to, to figure out what no. the proper diagnosis was. That's the and, worst. And that and that definitely was keeping me up at night. So there was that the fear of the unknown. Yeah. And it, how serious is this? Am I gonna be dead or am I gonna which I survived obviously and 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 truth be told, like that, I, that was where I sought God more than ever. You know, where, where I yeah. would talk to my sponsor. My sponsor was a long-term cancer survivor too. So he would say, stay in the moment, stay in the moment. But- Support for 12 Questions Podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best men's below-the-waist grooming champions of the world. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped just launched their fourth-generation trimmer, the Lawnmower 4.0. You heard that right, the 4.0. Join over 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer just for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code 12QPOD. That's 12QPOD at manscaped.com. Imagine having a sleek and well-designed, optimized trimmer that makes shaving time your favorite time in the bathroom. I'm one of the first people to try the new 4.0, and I'm blown away by the performance. The craftsmanship and the details on the 4.0 are next level. I used other trimmers in the past, and I've nicked my balls plenty of times, and you all know the pain of nicking your balls. Ouch. Not to mention, afterwards, the sweat, the stinging. It's just not a good time. Manscaped engineered the ultimate groin and body trimmer by focusing on intelligent functionality and incredible, comfortable grooming experience. Their fourth generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin safe technology. I now feel confident shaving my boys. 
This upgraded trimmer includes a multi-function on-off switch that can engage a travel lock. It also gives you the ability to run the 4000K LED spotlight on and off when needed for a more precise shave. The Lawnmower 4.0 even allows you to customize your trim through additional guard lengths with sizes 1 through 4. Did I mention wireless charging? The new wireless charging system uses electromagnetic induction, which can help battery last longer. Men, if you've been shaving with the same nut trimmer on your face, you've been doing it wrong. No person wants to end up with pubes in their mouth. It's time to get your own ball, hair, and body trimmer with Manscaped to make me time the best time and enhance your confidence with some nice smooth boys. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code 12QPOD at manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you. And mm-hmm. people need to hear that, and people need to hear how someone with time handles defects of character. Like that's just it's uh, 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 it goes back to me. It goes op- honesty, open mindedness, and willingness. You know, and 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 this is what keeps me from that drink. You know, so Pej, what defects of character have you worked on or turned over the most? <laughs> this is a, a great question. So. Uh... I have a friend named Gerald, when he speaks in in 12-step meetings, he talks about this whole thing of when people say, I'm working on my character defects, um, why would you work on something about your character that's defective? You know what I mean? Like, how is that? So I I understand, like, a lot of people will write down all their defects of character and then all their assets. And they'll, like, in in the 12 steps, it's as asking God to remove our defects of character because I can't remove them. And they mm-hmm. don't really go away. They don't really go away. I don't really work on my defective character. I try to be aware of, of when I'm gossipy, when I am judging, when I am angry. Because at the end of the day, I think it says it in the seventh step in the 12 and 12, fear is the chief activator of all of our defective characters. So mm-hmm. they're all they're all fear-based. You know, so uh, in gossiping, like, I, am I afraid to mind my own business? or shut my mouth or, or not have an opinion and go out or and not look poison. important. Or That's not another... important. Mm-hmm. Right. Am I, am I, even within myself, like the judgment that, that could go on with my own head. I, something that I really want to be aware of is to view people as God's children. And it's really like now that I am a believer of God, like, and I have to realize everybody's having their own experience. And for me to sit there and be like, what the fuck, like what's wrong with that one? Or why is he this way? Or why is she that way? I really, like to view people as equals and so if i have to give them my opinion about what i think about them that's all ego because i'm trying to to talk from that spiritual high top and and put them down or make them feel less than or smaller than and this is all the shit that i experienced in my household with with like my my dad being condescending and patronizing and and all the stuff i never liked i didn't like being the target of of that type of behavior from him but i became a carbon copy of that early on in my sobriety. So this is something that I want to be aware of and not do with people. I don't want to put people down or tear them down and, or hurt them. I want to let people know like how I feel, but also to empower them to let them know that I also like them and care about them and, and want nothing but the best just as people wanted for me when I was new. Mm-hmm. So um, if anything, I, I like to be aware of my, my fears and I, and I ask God to remove my defects on a daily basis. I have to, you know, otherwise mm-hmm. I will still continue to be selfish and self-centered and self-seeking and self-consumed. And, and that's like the last thing I, the last thing I want to do is to grapple with my ego that will convince me I'm the shit. And at the end of it, make me feel like I am a piece of shit. Like that's, mm-hmm. that's, that's mm-hmm. just ego. You know, it's the old egomaniac with an inferiority complex. That's I know right. it well. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. right. And it's like, and it's, it starts even before that. It's like, am I entirely ready to, to have God remove these remove defects? All and these defects. The, stealing from you, wanting to fight you, wanting to cheat, you know, like a, yeah, yeah, of course those, but talking some shit. <laughs> Come on, God. Oh, so fun. God, let me talk some right. shit. Like, that's rude. Yeah. <laughs> but that, that that's the real that's I mean, that's why it's the question is phrased as such, because we have people from all walks of life on here. Mm-hmm. And and for the 12 step world, it's yeah, I don't remove my defects of character 
my higher power does, mm-hmm. you know, and whether I'm ready for, for them to remove that, that's a whole other fucking ball of wax. But there are some people that we have on the podcast that are working on other things and, and they're, they're doing DBT therapy or they've got, you know, anger issues and things like that, that don't fit in that sphere. But like, I think that's the, the plus side to 12 step recovery. It's like, we cease fighting anyone or anything, including alcohol. You know, mm-hmm. and, and that and that's having a trust to turn it over. Right. Right. I love it. I love it. I love I love how honest and vulnerable you're being right now. I really do dig it. I really do dig it. I appreciate it. People are gonna get a lot out but of it. I don't this even episode. know you guys. Wow. But you know, when someone recommends we're part of the person, club, yo. We're part, yeah, of, the we're part of the club. So yeah. that means I do know you guys. Exactly, exactly. Game recognized game, right? And like, that's the, you know, one thing I did with my last, by the way, I love the seven step prayer, but like one of the the things I did with my last, I'm, I'm currently going through the steps again. And um, one of the things I did was I, I wrote a little letter thanking my defects for showing up for me because they did, they protected me and I've grown past them. And I, it's like, I sell her, I, 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 uh, I appreciate your service defects. You, you did a job and now you don't need to do that job anymore. Cause I've grown past that. I really appreciate you. And, and, and that allows me to come to a place of forgiveness of myself and forgiveness of others, you know, mm-hmm. because it's like, yeah, nope, that happened. I was, I was a dick. I was a dick that happened. So what, where are you like how do you experience forgiveness in your everyday life today like how do you how have you experienced it in your recovery forgiveness of others or forgiveness of myself both because one comes easier than the other for some people and i know i'm some people (laughs) (laughs) i don't want to hold anything against people and i don't want to hold anything against myself i don't want to be my own worst critic i don't want to be down on myself. So again, we're all humans, you know, we, we have, we're all human beings having spiritual experiences, right? Uh, so fuzzy, but um, no, <laughs> I, um, again, you know, this goes back to judging people. If I sit there and hold grudges, um, it's not healthy for me. It's not healthy for what I what I'm bringing to the table in, in the world, because you know, remember I, I have a sober living with a lot of sick people that are in it, and both, and many, all of them, are, and, and all of them are actually working steps and, and becoming the best versions of themselves. So there's bumps in the road, and people will act certain ways, and they'll they'll Google me and start looking me up, and make these opinions, and go out in the community and say shit about me. I mean, that's something that happened more recently, and and then and I try to go a little bit deeper and see like what it was about, and try to talk to them and sit with them and, and see like what's going on. And, and I realized like they've built a case against me. And the last thing I wanted to do is build a case against them, build a case against them. I'd like to work through it and see if we can come out on the other end. And usually like when we, we come to a, a resolution or a peaceful, you know, like where we, where we talk it out, um, I forgive them. I don't hold it against them and be like, I still hate that motherfucker. Like, I don't, I don't like to think that way. You know, I don't want to have a vendetta against people. I don't want to go, after people and i think one of the best ways of, of like forgiving is continual step work i am part of a home group in los angeles where we do we read the big book together all as a group and then we mm. do constant inventory constant inventory so whenever resentments come up or conduct or like sex conduct or just fears and things like that i i'm always putting it out on paper and reading it with my peers, like we, we actually yeah. do inventories together in the home. I love that. My, my brain is a poison machine. If I'm not getting rid of the poison, uh, it, it collects and then it spills on people. Uh, right. And I don't like making amends. Uh, so, uh, you know, I, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm constantly trying to keep that poison at bay. You know, and especially, you know, given that I get on stage and talk to strangers, uh, sometimes there's drunk strangers that like to yell things. And uh, I am fully capable of uh, ruining the show. Uh, (laughs) I don't mean that that metaphorically. I'm talking very literally. 
because uh, I can Same. have independent thoughts from my act. And it's just like, I remember I was about four years sober and someone cheated on me when I was on the road and broke up with me. And then I was on stage working out the material and this drunk lady was just yelling nonsense. And I, I asked her very politely, I was like, I'm like, lady, you got to give me this next five minutes. Like, please, I'm begging you. I'm really begging you right now. Two minutes later, she starts, gah, 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 gah. I unloaded. I unloaded verbal verbal slangs and arrows. Just, and then her boyfriend started, and I ripped him up. Like, I'm talking like, said some nasty shit. And then, because of the program, I ended my set, and I beelined it to them, and I made amends. Uh, but they still complained that the venue owner and, the, and my friend lost the show. So when I'm in mm. pain, I know that that poison, when I'm hurt, I want to hurt. Especially if I think someone, you know, uh, if I'm justified. Like, that, that was, what is that? Uh, it says somewhere hurt in the people, book. Hurt it says, people. Mm -hmm. Well, hurt people, hurt people. But uh, what is it? Anger is the dubious luxury of normal, normal mm -hmm. folks. And mm -hmm. I, I'm not normal folk. Uh, justified anger, love it. We'll chug it. I will Look. chug justified anger like a like a king cobra 40 bro <laughs> that sounds like a an energy drink that you find at the 99 cent store like it works really good but it will make your heart palpitate yep. <laughs> right, right, right. I, I, I said i said this to someone on tiktok because they're like yeah you know uh i drank bang energy drinks to help me quit drinking i'm like oh you mean four loco non-alcoholic <laughs> non-alcoholic non four loco four loco was we're loco and white claws were not a thing when I got clean, but if they were, I'd be dead. <laughs> that sounds so appealing to me. <laughs> so, Pedge, what has been the most surprising amends or apology that you've either made or received in your recovery? There was a guy when I was using and drinking, there was a cop that lived on my street. He would be outside always um he had his car that he was going to be handing down to his kid that was 15 and a half it was like this forerunner he'd be out there on sunday mornings like just babying this thing and waxing it and cleaning it and washing it and, um uh, i was loaded one night and i was two streets away from my street kind of trying to balance the road because i was so fucked no. up and then i got to the second street and i was like i'm almost there i'm gonna land this ship and then finally i got to my own street and passed out behind the wheel and crashed into that forerunner and totaled it. And um, then I didn't, I got sober a few months later. And so later when I, about three years into my sobriety, I knew I needed to make an amends to this guy. I wasn't really a fan of cops. This guy was a city cop in Santa Ana. And I, um, I just, I just got the nerve to go up to him. Finally, I saw him out playing ball with this kid out in the street. And I, I went to him. I wasn't even living on that street anymore, but I happened to be there. And I just went up to him and said, uh, hey, I just want to tell you, like, I've changed my life. And I, I totally, you know, I wasn't well then. And I, I owe you an amends. And I know that um, I owe you a fi financial amends, too. Um, is there any way that I could start paying you back towards that car? Because I know that your son never ended up getting that car. And he just put his hand on my shoulder and said, Pej, as long as you're okay and as long as you're helping people, I don't want anything else from you. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I looked at him. I'm like. My, I suppose shaking and I said no but I have to pay you back like I wouldn't feel right because no I don't want any money from you I hear that you're helping people now I hear that you've changed and transformed your life just keep helping people keep keep being the change and I, I was I had a frog in my throat I went and got in the car and started fucking crying my eyes out and calling wow. a couple of friends in recovery and letting them know how it all went down call my sponsor and told him wow this guy fucking forget I like cops I like cops now like this is a good guy like uh, but you know I, it was just they are people I've, I've I have some cops no, in my family I, and some criminals and you know, there's, there's, there's yeah. good and bad there's good and bad and all but this was a good man he forgave me and, and that mm -hmm. was like you know I, I think it was one of the most powerful uh, amends that I had ever encountered it actually gave me a sense of purpose and I realized like those nine step promises I mean there's a lot of promises in the book but those nine step promises are so powerful yeah no. yeah ain't no so gram fun. like the program that's right hi hi and i love i i love the night step i'm on an eight step right now and i'm like oh girl you gotta finish your writing mm -hmm. so you can get to the night step um i love the night step 
And I love that there is, I love that you saw an opportunity to do a ninth step and you did it. You know, it's like, sometimes we don't know. There are people on my eighth and ninth step to this day. I don't know where they are. I have, I have no mm-hmm. idea. I wouldn't know how to contact them. I don't even remember their full names, honestly, yeah. but like, you know, and, and that luxury, luckily as a person in recovery now, it's mostly people from the time of recovery. So it's a different right. quality of eighth and ninth step. Now it's like, Hey, so I don't even have substances to excuse. Um, my brain is trash and I did trash things to you. I'm sorry. And, um, it is, but it is so powerful. You know what it is, is it's freeing. You feel lighter at the end of the day, knowing that you've done whatever you can for your 50%. And they're not easy. Sometimes it's not a cut and dry thing where it was like, you were the dick who hit the guy's car. It's more, sometimes it's like that person sucked too. And then you got to get through the forgiveness Mm -hmm. to get to the ability to ask for forgiveness. And it's hard. It's hard, but it's beautiful. And it allows us to kind of, to explain, uh, to kind of get to that 10th, that 10th step, you know, and it is interesting with a 10th step because it's, it's our daily routines, right? It's like what we do on a day-to-day basis to keep ourselves sane, the prayer, the meditation, the exercise, the meetings, the, all of that. But there's that also that action element of it. Cause it is an mm-hmm. action step of when you're a dick in the moment and you realize it, just say, Hey, I was a dick. Can I, how can I make that right? You need five minutes. I get it. Yeah. All right. I'll, I'll give you some space. My bad. I violated a boundary. I'm going to, I'm going to go over here now. Right, <laughs> you let right, me know right. when I can come back in. You know, it's not the whole sit down of like, excuse me, I have to buy you coffee. Let's have a ceremony. You know, mm-hmm. it's just more like, hey, uh, I screwed up. Going to do it better next time. My bad. Um, <laughs> so how how does the 10 step work in your life today? Like how, like what's your routine? What's your practice? Like how do you, how do you make it work for you in your life today? Well, back to the steps. A lot of people mix up the 10th and 11th step. They think that they have to do a 10 step inventory at night and write, do some writing, but it's, um, it says that we promptly admit, and you just said it right now. Like if I, I catch myself in the moment and do something wrong, or I've done something, I, I call a friend. Like usually I live in both Los Angeles and Orange County. So I have roommates mm. that are both in recovery. Those are usually my go-to guys. Like if I, if I've come short, I will call one of them and consult and say, Hey, I just treated so-and-so like this. Um, what do you think? Like, what? And they don't post on my bullshit. They tell me I'm making amends, you know, and I, mm-hmm. you're right. I, I got to do it. So I want to constantly be aware, you know, constantly be aware. I continue to take personal inventory as we speak. If I'm trying to live in God's light and be out in God's world, you know, doing God's bidding, then, why would I need to offend people or do things that are going to hurt people? I want to be aware. I want to be aware. And, and the best way to gain that awareness is obviously from God, but also from my fellows, people that are amongst me in recovery that I can turn to and ask. And they, they'll call me too. My friend Gil in Los Angeles, it's like my little brother. He's my roommate. He'll, he'll say, hey, yo, man, I, I need to do a 10-step inventory. Can I talk to you about something right now real quick? And mm-hmm. he'll just he'll say it to me and I'll tell him, like, I'd probably make an amends to that person. Yeah, it's the program that made me beeline it to a heckler and make amends. Talk about when you're wrong. Mm-hmm. Promptly. I, I don't know many comedians who've made amends to hecklers. Uh, you know, and that's because I like to sleep at night knowing that I promptly admitted when I was wrong. I mm-hmm. did in a set. I did in a set. I was in a set this last weekend and there was this real cute girl up front, real cute, dressed to the nines, white claw drunk, just like, what? you know and she she chimed in on my set and i and and i responded with a roast as you do you know i responded with a roast and then i riffed on it for a little bit and roasted again and in the middle of the set i said baby you know i don't mean that i just want to let you know i'm sorry i'm sorry i said that about you you're a lovely young lady and thank you for being a good sport and then i just kept it pushing I was just like, and then I made another joke again. I was like, but don't fuck these comedians. They're bad people anyway. And then I just kept, and then I just like turned it around in the other direction. But sometimes you got to do that. Sometimes you got to be like, <laughs> you know, Yep. when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Promptly. What part, promptly. Of promptly, what part of promptly do you not understand, Pidge? Oh. Yeah. 
No, I mean, yep, yep. probably all of us don't so. mean probably don't mean ten years from now. <laughs> right. No, well, that's a nine step amends. That's different. That's different. Mm-hmm. I think that that's yeah. I think that's different. Mm-hmm. Do you do you what uh, do you have like a you wake up meditate? You're running businesses now, so I imagine you're one of those people that like wakes yeah, up and it's just like email. Like yeah, like what's the day to day part of that? Like you mean is, is this the next question? Like how does it's part of the same. It's like, yeah, it's like, what's it your bleeds. spiritual practice look like? Yeah. I will not go to bed unless I get on my knees and I pray. And now that I'm 50 years old, I can't get on my knees on a hardwood floor. So I get up on the bed and get mm-hmm. on my knees because it's soft cushioning. Uh, when I wake up, I, I, um, most times I try to pray and meditate in the morning, but then sometimes there'll be a distraction like a phone or a notification or some shit but regardless of the fact like god is my everything so i i i don't really think i have to meditate for a long period of time when i do meditate um it's about five to ten minutes and it's just to quiet the mind and kind of like tap into that sweet spot you know that that's that area within me where the conversations with god are more god talking to me and i know that sounds insane but like i i will imagine if God was saying things to me, what would God say? And it's usually all encompassing, all love, all, you know, just basically, you know, God just loves me. And, and like, it's so good to be sober. It's so good to be alive. It's so good to have an awareness, you know, as a result of the awakening. You know, if I wasn't awakened, I wouldn't be conducting myself in this way in life. And still, like I said, I've been very transparent here today. Like, this isn't my a typical AA talk I may have mentioned or skimmed over some of the things that I brought up here today, but like, um, I still have a tendency where I will do things for my own selfish purposes. And that's, it's that fear. You know what I mean? Like where I'm 50 years old, like, am I going to be alone for the rest of my life? Maybe I still need to like seek, uh, certain individuals because they'll make me feel good. But like in, in reality, if I, if I, uh, tap into the higher source, on a daily basis, whether it be in the in the morning when I wake up or in the shower or when I'm driving, um, as long as I stay connected, I am in good spirits. I don't get depressed. I'm not a prey to misery anymore. I don't really have anxiety, so I'm I'm very centered. And and I I kind of don't really care for people that meditate for long periods of time. I think that's kind of selfish. Like it's nice that you're doing that, but Gwen, what are you doing for people out in the world? Like go be of maximum mm-hmm. uh, service to. God and his fellows rather than just your, yourself and you know to each their own I mean if people want to do a 30-minute meditation that's great if people want to go to like a 10-day uh, silent retreat that's great like it might work good for you like I won't do that shit I just won't do well, that shit it's too much time and, with myself and and you just kind of bled into the, the 11th question it's just like so if you could describe your relationship with your higher power like what what does that look like just friend ally walk with like Give us, give us some texture to your relationship with your higher power. So let's say I'm speaking in an AA meeting. I do a lot of talks, right? So let's say I'm speaking in a room with a whole bunch of like youngsters, newcomers, things like that. I'll describe God as my big homie. Like God is my big homie. And God, God is not sky daddy. God is not in the sky overseeing shit. But God is right here within my heart. And for a long time, I had daddy issues and I was more of a mama's boy. So God for a long time, was I, w- I would refer to God as a she or a her. But like in reality, like God is, is, is my everything. I, I tapped into something more powerful than I'd ever encountered through the 12 step process, this level of consciousness where everything I was seeking for outside of myself, for, I came into the rooms and I, I was looking for a God that was never really lost. God was always within my heart. That means that whatever experience, even in my disease, even when I was out there and I was going to jails, institutions, near-death experiences, I would, in those times of desperation, I would seek, I would seek, 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 like whatever's there, please get me out of this mess. This undetermined court case or, or all these different things that are happening, please, please, why am I seeking when in times of desperation? So it's, it's beautiful to be in recovery now and not be desperate like every single day to seek for God uh, as my guidance. You know what I mean? So I love God. I mean, I just do. I'm a God guy. Like now, and for a guy that was a, a former atheist and slash agnostic for a long time, and I wore that shit on my sleeve, like my sponsees, or sorry, I don't even like those terms. Like the guys who asked me to take them through the book, 
will often say like, you're a God guy. I'm like, you're damn right I am because if I didn't mm -hmm. have God, I, I wouldn't be where I'm at. And by, by seeking a power, a much higher powerful source than myself, which is the absolute, which is God. You know, I, I'm very comfortable. I, I think this could be a t-shirt. You're a God guy. You're goddamn right. How old are you, Dave? Oh, fucking, I know the, my complexion from all the drugs makes me look real old. You but, look super uh, I, young, I'm, but still. I'm 35. Yeah, okay. You're, that's around the time I started doing the dad jokes, too. No, it's okay. That's, it's all good. I love I, it. I like it. I like it. It's, it's my type of guy. I like that sense of humor. <laughs> now, now I can do it because I'm 50. So when people are like, Pedge, those are dad jokes. I'm like, I could be a dad. Yeah. Mm -hmm. My balls on... are full of toxic waste. I don't want that life. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, you can be a dad with no kids. That's possible. Mm -hmm. I've I've certainly been a mom with no kids or a teal with no kids. Um, Pej, we did it. We did it. We finished Last all of the questions. Time. Last question. What 12 is one questions. twelve questions? We got there, ladies and gentlemen. Pej, what, what is, is one thing you would tell somebody just like you in the world right now? somebody just like me in the world yeah right this now? is the we give it away you know what i mean we only keep what we have by giving it away what would you give yeah. away to a person just like you right now you mean a person that's like sober just like me at this time or somebody that's a newcomer either way either whatever, whatever 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 rocks your you, you want to speak to yeah what would i tell them mm -hmm. yeah find your fucking purpose in life if mm. you have no purpose and it's not meaningful, you're wasting your time. Find your purpose. We are all mystics. We are all capable of doing a lot in our lives. Find your purpose, find your abilities, your capabilities, and just do it. Fucking like Nike, go out there and do it, like kill it. If you're if you're a fucking car salesman, be the best. If you're uh, the person that works in rehab, be the best tech. Be like, go out and study, get educated, do do more for yourself and and do it with the guidance of something greater than yourself. If you can do that, I think you will move mountains, and we, I'll chisel with you every single step of the way. Gosh, I love that. That's so beautiful. Oh my gosh, where can people find you if you want if them you to want find to be you? Found. And and where can people find your endeavors if you want those to be found? If not. Just be like, yeah. do what? What kind of? Uh, if you have a charity or an organization you'd like to promote or a cause you'd like to promote, we can also put yeah. that in there too. This is the plug time. So, plug time. so I'm an I'm an interventionist. Uh, I own a lot of businesses. I'm, I'm an interventionist. I have a website called PejIntervention.com. I also have a TikTok that's Pej Intervention. I have a uh, I have a Instagram that's Pej Intervention. I have a podcast that's called Peggy's Recovery Corner. It is on YouTube. I have a YouTube channel. Um, I, I'm very accessible. Um, I help people nationally. I help people get into treatment. I help people get into, um, even if they don't have insurance, into various places if they need help. Mm -hmm. I specialize in helping people with drug addiction, alcoholism, or mental health. I love helping. Um, I, Like I said, I live in Los Angeles, but I also live in Orange County. I've got houses in both areas. I have some highly highly structured sober livings in south orange county oh um, i like one, structure you said a word i like structure baby major structure <laughs> one one is a co-ed house one is a um one is a all men's house and one is a 40 and up house and so you can find me by calling me my number is 310-596-9356 or uh 7149-751-7761 um i'm i'll make myself available in any way shape or form you're the first phone number plug on this podcast. <laughs> Whoops. Was I not supposed to do that? No, no. that's fine. You're, you run in oh, a business. No. Phone numbers that's, work, that, baby. That's your space. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Now, now, now we plug our shit. Where you could find me is at Yates Comedy, Y-A-T-E-S Comedy on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. 
I do a lot of recovery sketches on TikTok. So at Yet's Comedy, check me out. And then if you want to directly support me, uh, you can come to some of my comedy shows or you could buy hot sauce from me, hahahotsauce.com. That is my merch. It is very delicious. Please buy hot sauce, hahahotsauce.com. Anna, where can people find you in this podcast? You can find me at Anna B is Fun on Twitter, Instagram, um, TikTok. Uh, I t- attempt recovery sketches. They're never as good as Dave's. He's really got it down. Uh, and uh, uh, Twitter, all the things, right? And you can also go to my website, AnnaValenzuela.com, which I have renovated. Melanie Vesey, if you're listening, I actually took your advice and fixed it. Um, so I am very excited about that. And if you would like to get a hold of this podcast, get a hold of this podcast um, on 12Q Pod on all the social medias, the TikToks, the um, the 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 Twitters, the the Instagrams, the everything's. We are out here in these streets. You can also find us at our anchor page. We'd like to thank those who um, have been supporting the show via the anchor page with monetary donations. Thank you so, 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 so much. And I know we have some new subscribers next pot. I'll write it down and like, give you a shout out, baby. Um, but uh, how we end this podcast every time is Pesh, if nobody's told you this today, we love you. Love you, buddy. Shut Thanks for coming on. So awesome. Yeah. I love you guys too. Thank you. I appreciate Thank you. it. Thank you. And Dave, if nobody's told you this today, we love you. Ugh. Every time he doesn't know how to, he doesn't know how to take the love people. He doesn't know how to receive love. Yeah. Yeah, We love you. Like we we, really love you. We like really, really love you. Like a lot, like genuinely see your authentic self and love you. Y'all, y'all are bullshitting. (laughs) (laughs) He turns into earthquake. You're bullshitting. Okay. Um, and, (laughs) and, uh, if you're listening to this and nobody has told you this today, Dave or Dave. I, I I wanted to double down on Wait, Dave again. Leave me alone. Everybody, right, okay. everybody listening, we love you. Thanks for listening to the podcast, everybody. We love you. Thanks. Love you. Peace. Okay, bye. Bye. <laughs>